Welcome everyone to Invested, a limited series by Behind the Human and KPMG High Growth Ventures. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the minds of early stage investors to surface actionable insights for founders and startups to mentally and financially thrive. And we shouldn't confuse the valuations as the market support them with the quality of the company. You know, the fact that shed loads of money went into the market and pushed prices way up, particularly at later stages, doesn't mean those companies were bad. It just means they might have been overpriced and the prices come down. The company's as good yesterday and tomorrow. This could be a golden era. Today, I'm speaking with Paul Naftali, co-founder of Rampersand VC, an early stage tech fund to help address the funding gap for founders in Australia and New Zealand. All right, Paul, welcome to the show and welcome to the series. Appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot, Mark. Great to be here. Yeah, I'd love to just start with you know, an easy question, like just like what, what lights you up about working with founders? Oh, gosh, this is a long answer. The, the number one, I reflect on why I've, my journey has all been around entrepreneurs and founders and they change the world. They have the audacity to want to change the world and that's addictive and the opportunity to be part of their journey is, is just so exciting and if you can sprinkle a little bit of knowledge or a little bit of a connection or just a little bit of belief that unlocks mm. their capability, that's just those magic moments. And how did so how did it all begin for you? I know you spent you, you've got quite the history in marketing and PR and so forth and different roles. But you know what was the road to um, Rampersand? I so I I entered the workforce in the late nineties. Was into the dot com era straight away and and helped a PR agency set up a dot com practice uh, here in Australia, uh, multinational agency GCI, and we worked for some big tech and we worked for startups. And it was really clear from the very beginning that being a cog in a big organization, a big corporate, was was never that exciting, even though that had a lot of potential. I was 21 and knew everything, right? And <laughs> so I wanted to be in the room with the people who were making the difference. Um, so I did that. I worked with startups here from the late 90s, went to England in the early 2000s and worked for a, a strategic comms agency there, again, with startups and, and big telco and big tech. Um, Fell in love in England, married a wonderful English woman and had our first baby over there and we were packing up boxes ready to come home to Australia where I wanted to raise my kids when one of my clients, you're not meant to have favourite clients, right, but I did and it was it was this company called Jar Jar. It was an amazing company in, in voiceover IP in, in 2008 and I said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving England, I'm going back to Australia. And they said, hey, don't go home, go halfway home, come to California and be our head of marketing. And it's like, yeah, geographically, that's an interesting view of the world. But professionally, what an amazing opportunity. And, sure. and two weeks later, with a, it was a four-month-old baby, we were living in Mountain View, California. We were you know, sharing, a, uh, you know, we, we were one side of uh, one-on-one uh, and the other side of the freeway was Google, and it was just the most incredible experience. And, and I spent a number of years working in, in the valley um, with a very steep learning curve, you know, some, as I talk about, some, some good successes and some good learning experiences. 
but all the while really connected back to Australia, uh, mostly for sort of lifestyle reasons, really, and family. Okay. And uh, my wife and, and kids moved back here and I stayed working in, in the US and doing a lot of fly-in, fly-out. Uh, and in, in so 2013, I was getting really frustrated around, you know, on the one hand, like Australia has some of the world's best entrepreneurs, unquestionably, and where's the startup capital, the first people to believe people who can unlock some of those early doors. Um, it's like, you know, I was I was still young enough and dumb enough to believe we could make a difference um, and learn some lessons. And so we pulled some capital together and called it a fund and started okay. backing entrepreneurs here. And you know, seven or eight years later, that's it's a real fund and we've got 30 companies in the portfolio and awesome. some really great ones. I love it. I love those stories. I mean, and, and you, you obviously, you're, you're well experienced across the globe. So to, to kind of come full circle and land exactly geographically where you want to be, I mean, it must feel nice. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's still frustrating, but you know, having worked with Israeli startups, having worked in Silicon Valley and seeing companies coming out of the UK and Europe, and, and you asked at the beginning, what draws me to startups? It's, it's that belief Against all odds, you're going to make a difference. And I think what's really pleasing is how much the Australian ecosystem has grown and how much just that dare to dream and believe in yourself and back your vision is now more common. Uh, mm-hmm. But we still have a long way to go to reach the, sort of the levels of unashamed ambition. It's still a little bit tall poppy here. It's still a little bit um, you're under you know, sandbag as yeah. uh yeah don't don't oversell you know cre- only tell what you've done don't necessarily say what you're gonna do you know lest you get chopped down for that ambition and, and i think the great thing is we're seeing more and more and more people it's a globalized ecosystem we're seeing people come back from key markets or even natively grow here with that ambition but i think we've still got so much opportunity and having confident founders who are able to say I can do this and this is I might not get there but I'm going to have a red hot crack and that's worth it in and of itself mm. that's that's changing and and that's the trajectory of growth that I think Australia is on it's exciting when it, it's got to also I mean the, the fact that it seems like this is happening at least in the US and I, I see it here too in Canada but just how the focus has, is starting to shift out of like New York or California and it's you know you've got Colorado and different areas, little hot spots that are picking up, and especially just given what we've just gone through, that you know people are working all around the world at this point. Like remote work is is uh, has really changed things. So I, I imagine you're you're probably feeling some of that as well in Australia. You know, as geographically, it may not be as you know, crucial that you're not sitting in New York City or, you know, right down in Silicon Valley with your with your startup. Oh, 100%, Mark. And, and brand Australia is really good. And I was, as you can imagine, when I was telling people in Silicon Valley, I'm moving to Australia and it was, a, it was kind of a bit embarrassing. It's like, why would you leave the center of the universe to go to this sort of rocky outcrop in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> but people would, without exception, say, oh, Australia, you're so lucky to be able to live there. Yeah. And brand Australia is really strong. The challenge back then and, incre- and, and, and de- decreasingly so has been to balance that amazing lifestyle and opportunity in Australia with the professional opportunities. 
And sure. it used to be you were prepared to sacrifice some of your professional opportunities to get everything else. And now I don't, you really don't need to quite as much. And as if, if you can live anywhere in the world, this is a hell of a good place to do it, particularly people with families, but also yeah. young folk. You know, the weather's incredible. The people are safe. It's friendly. You know, the beaches, all, all the things that Australia's famous for. You know, yeah, they're true. They're actually really true. Yeah, um, you know, you've got it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crappy time zone. If you want to work, you know, on the East Coast, I mean, we are the last time zone ever to be factored into global calls. But you know what? If you got to hustle, you got to drive, you know, I, I, you know when I was, was flying back and forth, you get up at Pacific time. It's 4 a.m., you know, or 3 a.m., whatever it needs to be. And that, if that's the piece you need to do, make it work. If you've got that mindset, make it work. And so exactly. if we're certainly seeing people come here. Um, it's not a hub ecosystem in that, you know, we still think Silicon Valley, Israel, New York, uh, you know, they're centres of the, of the, you know, Singapore still probably the capital of Southeast Asia in a way. Mm-hmm. But as things decentralise, the opportunity to be a really active participant, Australia's also become a really credible exporter of tech. You know, companies yeah. like Atlassian, Canva, CultureAmp, Schedulo, Sendall, you know, these companies happen to come from Australia and that's sort of known. We like it as part of the brand. Like, you know, you see them talk and they talk as Australians. It's undeniably Australian, but they're global companies. Um, yeah. And that's that's changing the, the, the way that people perceive it. Well, I mean, I hate, I don't want to bust the vibe here because it, it, it is good, but I mean, they're, they're, there is something I definitely want to talk about that I think is level setting really all markets. And it's just this massive uncertainty in the markets right now with everything going on. And I mean, we feel it here. I think it's, it's, it's obviously a global phenomenon that is, you know, already rocking a market and a group of people that are, you know, going against the grain a lot of the times. And, and to your point, you know, giving it their all and having that belief. And here's another, you know, another thing to contend with. So, you know, I guess just to, to set the pulse, I, I'd love to just know from, from your perspective in terms of what you're seeing and feeling, like what's the first word that comes to mind when thinking of the current market for founders today? Oh, you can ask me for one word. Um, Given this is quite Australian centric, I think this is—I'll say golden. I think this is the. This could be a golden opportunity for Australian ecosystem, and and it seems a bit counterintuitive given the lead-in of your question. So why am I saying sure. that? Yeah, that's like, the follow-up you know, question. <laughs> you know, firstly, venture generally and startups tend to do well in a disruptive period. You know, and why? They move fast when everyone's afraid. You know, what is the, I think there's a Warren Buffett, you know, be, be greedy when people are fearful and be fearful when people are greedy. Like startups yeah. can dominate that. You know, I don't quote Buffett very often. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> that felt good. Is, and, <laughs> yes. Nice. Uh, the, the, the opportunity to move fast, you know, when there's disruption and it's not just valuations, that's one thing, but this whole last couple of years have exposed areas of opportunity and gaps in markets that startups will move faster to fill. Mm. And the ability to do that whilst the bigger companies are being driven by their share price and they're a bit fearful of mistakes and their shareholder structures don't allow them to experiment quite as much or move quite as quickly and by definition they sit and wait, 
there will be startups moving quickly who, who grab market opportunities. Uh, and they can adapt. And why I think that particularly applies in Australia, we've got this really interesting period here where we haven't had a lot of venture in this market, yeah, sort of ever. The last few years have been culturally really expansive. Where we've we've said it's okay to, to have a big ambition. It's okay to want to take on the world. It's okay. And it's okay to raise money to go and do that. But there's still quite f- sort of fiscally responsible or budgetary responsible, capital responsible is still part of the nature here. We haven't got so many companies where they're full-blown sort of escape velocity by virtue of weight of capital, but really, really, really good operators. And I think the average or the best Australian founders are as good as anyone in the world at growing companies with limited capital because they've had to be. Yeah, so yeah. A lot yeah. of the breakout successes from Australia didn't raise a lot of early stage venture. And now there's early stage venture, we get to participate in that, but not lose that muscle memory. So I think there's a really best of both worlds, which is there's available capital and founders who learn quickly. Those, you know, we've seen a number of companies react really positively when, I say positive, really well, the market turns, the market turns. Well, actually, we're not going to have access to capital on growth alone. It's got to be more capital efficient, Sure. Let's let's make the cut. So we might have overhired because that's what the market wanted. We're going to pull back. And we shouldn't confuse the valuations as the market support them with the quality of the company. Hmm. Yeah, the fact that shed loads of money went into the market and pushed prices way up, particularly at later stages, doesn't mean those companies were bad. It just means they might have been overpriced and the prices come down. The company's as good yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah. So being able to adjust to be more capital efficient, I think that's the strength of the Australian ecosystem and we will move, uh, yeah, and startups in general move faster. Australia's credible, what we were talking about before. So this, this uh, things can always get worse. Any VC who proclaims with absolute certainty what's about to happen, I think, I think VCs are really good at doing that. We've got to say, this is how I feel, but I could be totally wrong. Of course, uh, of course. Things could get way worse, but there's a really strong argument, I think, Mark, to why this could be a golden era. Hello, everyone. I want to first thank you for listening to this limited series and let you know if you're looking for more insights and resources designed specifically for startups and scale-ups, we've got you covered. Head over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Now back to the show. Well, I was going to say, like, I love, I love your mentality. It's it, this is a this is a mindset thing that, to your point, it, it makes sense. Like, I think you you back it up with something that that's logical. The the speed of a startup, right? And just that subtle shift in mindset of, all right, we're in we're in a shitty situation. The whole world is going through this. There's a lot of uncontrollables, but we can control how we view this situation. And I love what you're saying. Like we can control. Well, we're going to take this as as an opportunity, the best we can, not being irresponsible. To your point of like, okay, let's make sure we're you know our our cash flow set up. And you, um, and I'm I'm hearing this too around the world. Like you know, there's less there's less opportunity to raise on growth and story, and and more so let's just show like near term profitability or the you know be clear on the numbers. But if you can go in with that that mentality, I mean, that's that's half the battle. Yeah, and and there's there's evidence for it. In, in March 2020, we said to 
all the founders that we partnered with. We don't know what's going to happen, but let's assume this is a yeah, an economic crisis as much as it's a health crisis, and let's yeah trim the sales a little bit and watch your runway and yeah secure your balance sheet. Um, and I think we were right for about six weeks, uh, yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> nine weeks if we're generous. And then we were so so we were so totally and utterly wrong. You know, who yeah, we didn't see the big boom coming. Yeah. But the companies that took action in that period and, and in our portfolio, it's most of them uh, are way stronger for the experience. You know, whether COVID actually yeah. delivered a tailwind or a headwind, and, and in most cases it was a tailwind. Regardless, you know, they didn't leave these opportunities on the table, but they had a stronger business for it. And I think that muscle memory, even you know, that was only two years ago, and we're saying mm-hmm. the same thing. Look, the market's recovered. It's up and down. Are we through the worst of this correction? I don't know. Could be. There's an argument that we are. And yeah. we're going to build stronger businesses as a result of being a bit responsible. But there's a, I don't know if you, yeah, Jim Collins, good to great. Uh, yeah. It's pretty old now, but the, the, um, the, uh, the, the paradox of always believing you will win, but never losing sight of just how shitty your current situation is. Yes. You know, yes. That's a great lesson for for us and for the, for founders. You know, don't lose belief, but but don't kid yourself entirely that what's going on is tough. Yeah. Well, that I mean that leads well into, you know, part of the 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 objective in the in the research that we're running um, around. There's there's the startup and, and company health, but then there's also mental fitness and the the mental well being of founders, and because it's really hard to have that that mindset of, of possibility and belief when your mind is just full of fear and, you know, stewing and, and, and narratives running and looping day in and day out. And if you don't have the tools to, you know, pause that and either reframe it, release it, whatever it is, then it, it becomes, it's tough to, to do, you know, quality thinking in that state. Right. And I know from just, you know, some of the, the, the pre-survey um, questions that you answered, it seems like you're seeing that as well with 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 your founders and, and portfolio founders. That obviously, like mental state is one of the one of the stressors, and the, like the market uncertainty and so forth, and staffing and whatnot. Um, so, like, what what conversations are you having with your your teams? Like, what kind of advice or, or feedback to just help even have that even start the conversation? Because many are not. You know, I hear this all the time that there's there's still a big disconnect between founder and their their investors that there's there's fear to to be actually you know vulnerable or honest because there's a financial link there it, it, it's yeah it's a really hard dynamic and it's something and we've had a couple of tough experiences over the years where we've learned um and by that i mean had a couple of founders who we were very close to and had a great relationship with and, and felt that we understood but they both had you know, really difficult mental health experiences and, and sure. to the detriment of their companies. And and we've looked at implementing a number of programs. And and the key thing that we learn is is exactly what you just said. Like it has to be a safe space. And sometimes the VC is not part of that. Doesn't matter how mm-hmm. much we work and 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 there are cases and I'm really proud of those cases where um, and it's I won't say every company, but there's there's quite a lot where the founders have uh, a great relationship with us and and vice versa, and we have those open discussions. Um, there are cases where you just can't crack that dynamic of you're the next check or you're the board member. Yeah, tough. Uh, 
you know, and, and, and that total transparency is really difficult. And, and really the way we think about it is in situations where we've got those relationships and we have to have, you know, we, we t- there's a lot of discussion about psychological safety and it's really, you know, mm. it's hard enough to define, let alone to actually put into practice. And it's really hard, as we were just saying, the dynamic between an investor and a founder. But it can be created. You know, in our experience, sure. absolutely, we have, we have it a number in a number of cases. And the ability of the founder to say, I'm tired. Yeah. And it's really, it's really energy that's the suffering point that I'm noticing. It's like it's fatigue of decision fatigue. And yeah. I think that's always a danger for founders. And it's particularly a danger at the moment where so many decisions, you know, good, bad, and then and ugly from the last few years, it just seems like nonstop. You know, the language, yeah. <laughs> having a few conversations, when I sit down to write my monthly report or my quarterly report, everyone starts with, hasn't this been an amazing, crazy month or quarter? Like, it's just nonstop. And that's always yeah. the case. And, and that's always the case with startups. But this is intense. And particularly, I would say, in Melbourne, where we're based, or a lot of our team are based in some of our portfolio, where we had extended lockdowns, you know, the lo- most lockdown city yeah. in the world, Yeah, that is a burden big time. So, mm-hmm. so where does the conversation start? It's easy to say this now, but the conversation doesn't start now. The conversation started years ago or when you're first going through diligence and investing and you're saying it's okay to mess things up and it's okay. To, like I, I think when when founders do their diligence on on, on VCs and it's, it's becoming more common practice now, what we encourage is, don't ask other founders what happened when things went well. Ask them what happened when things went bad. Sure. What happens when we missed a quarter or missed a couple of quarters or mishired or, you know, missed a, you know, whatever. Find out what – because that's when you, you, you can build trust. We can build trust by knowing that they'll test us sometimes, you know, like a child. What if I do something little? How do you react? And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I keep reminding founders a lot. They carry a real burden – of their own vision, you know, they've got a picture of the future that is really clear in their minds and and to get there is really part of their DNA, but mm. also they've taken on other people's money and we're really yeah. connected. We're backed by private individuals. We have events where our LPs meet the founders. There's connection. We know it's quite a personal journey and I keep reminding them and I think, and, and that they've not promised anything except to do their best. Okay. We've backed them because we believe that their best efforts are really compelling. Yeah. But that's it. Everything else is out of control and you're going to do your best to make it. And we know that that's high risk. So the and, and the burden of other people's money or other people's belief and trust to then not deliver on it, there are times when I see that weigh quite heavily and we have to sort of relieve that burden. Um, in some ways, because it becomes counter to their mental health and counter to their performance. But uh, are there uh, some qu- check-in questions that you know? Because for for other investors asking or listening right now, as well as founders, frankly, that might be in this position that you have found like subtly have helped. You know, just to get a bit of a pulse of hey, you know, like maybe we should have a quick chat or. And maybe it's not you guys, maybe it's it's outside resources or whatever, but just to help with some of that pressure. Yeah, I think I think there's there's a few and, and look uh, so we're still figuring this out too. Like this is a journey together yeah. and, and and definitely don't think we've got this fully nailed. But 
I say some of the practices we've put in uh, over the years, I think are helpful. So we have an engagement set up with every company that we invest in. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's a one-to-one or, or, or founders to, to the, the, the team here. And it's a you know, standard is monthly. And the agenda is always including how are you and your founders doing? That's standard mm. for that monthly agenda. And it's really important that we set that up from the beginning we found. And that can, if you don't manage it, you don't go into it with the right intent, it becomes a rudimentary. Yeah, we're doing great. Everything's wonderful, yeah. hair on fire, fantastic, busy, you know, yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, and so let's get deeper than that. And and by forcing a conversation prior to it becoming an issue, it allows that to be part of the discussion. And certainly the conversations where we have the most ability and psychological safety and vulnerability are where we're not coming in just now when times are tough and saying, how are you? And never given a shit before. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and so that's, that's, that's number one is having that cadence and proof of trust both ways of having that regular engagement where you genuinely show care and interest yeah. over a period of real time. Humans. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> real humans. Real humans is part of our yeah, core values. Uh, right. And, and the other one is, is recognizing sometimes, in fact, very often I'll default to sporting analogies. And say like when you and, and we're not the coach, but let's use a coach as an analogy and say the coach's job is to know which players before a game need a bit of a rev up and a shake up and a tussle and a bump and a and a shout, and which which players are better off with soft music or just being left the hell alone. Mm. Um, this is a superhuman journey. We're talking about mental health. It's so individualized. It's just recognizing that we are an important but non-dominant sort of role in that relationship and recognising everyone's journey is different and trying to figure out through those discussions where is that a role for me to play uh, and where is that a role to make sure that infrastructure is there but it might not be playing, me, me playing it. And I think things like a yeah. you know, very big difference when there's a solo founder versus a team of two or three. You know, a very sure. big difference when there's you know, some kind of board. It doesn't have to be a formal board, but an advisory board. Yeah, very different when there's a chairperson. And it sounds crazy. And I know mm. it's really counter to common wisdom in early stage companies to have a board and have a chair. But actually codifying some of those relationships early, whether they're fully formalized or kind of informal, but, but there, they're my learning over time is they're really important. And, okay. and just more people to lean on? Totally. People to okay. lean on, people to share the journey, people to carry the burden. Who is it you call and go, I've had a shitty day. In fact, I've had yeah. a few shitty days. And if you don't want it to be your investor, and that's normal and fine, but, but it can't be no one. Yeah. Yeah. So is that one of the, the areas I wanted to talk to you about, we, and I feel like this has been a bit of the theme of the conversation anyway, was one of the questions we had asked was to identify some of the top qualities for founders to be mentally fit. And uh, one of the, the, the areas you identified was just managing relationships. So is this what you meant, or is there anything else you want to elaborate on for, for founders listening to you know, put that focus on the relationships? Yeah, that, that's broadly what I was getting, uh, what I was meaning is like having people around you 
uh, sure. and, and having people where you can be truly vulnerable. Uh, yeah. and, and sometimes that's your spouse and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's your investor, sometimes it's not. But being, you know, I used to be in, in PR, like I talked about earlier, and, and yeah. part of that was crisis communications. And what I learned there is if the crisis has happened, you've actually left yourself really late to address it. Yeah, crises yeah. managed before there's a crisis are the best managed and, and that involves being conscious that, you know, one of our internal expressions is it's not normal to be hugely successful. So it's our job to partner with not normal people. And mm-hmm. and we say that, you know, with the highest of praise, like that's yeah. exactly, that's admiration. And it's not normal. Like we're not well-rounded personalities. We don't, normal people don't start companies. Normal people don't yeah. grow them against the odds. Normal people don't achieve when everyone's telling you you can't or when you're told no time and time and time again. Yeah, and do yeah. the impossible. And so there is a tendency for, um, let's say, uh, uh, really interesting minds and really interesting like You've got to be uh, pathologically optimistic while being also pathologically paranoid. You've got to have absolute trust and 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 disbelief at all things. You know, it's like yeah. these yeah. things don't go together in a naturally healthy mind and or as we think of a naturally healthy mind. So it's really important to recognize that this these moments will come. Yeah. You know, no one's yeah. a machine and and how if, if you know that what can you do in advance? It's I think one of the great things is we've got some very public examples of founders who have battled mental health issues and demons and have been really brave in coming out and talking about it, normalizing. And in mm-hmm. general society, we've seen more openness about it. And and the, the sort of toxic, you know, masculinity of saying, oh, I'm okay, everything's fine. If I'm tough enough, I'll get through. It, it's, yeah. it's beyond that. I think we, we know that. It's not where it needs to be. But what that I think and I hope allows some space to do is say from the very beginning, go, how am I going to deal with this? And, yeah. it, and it, it's a fine line. If you focus too much on what goes wrong, that's what becomes your thing. So of course, it's, it's, it's maintaining that duality of saying, you know, the Stockdale paradox, I'm going to survive, I'm going to thrive, we're going to win, but, I, but times are going to be tough. They might be tough now, they're going to be tough in the future. So what scaffolding do I want to have around me? And, and just putting it in place and having safe spaces. But I think that's that's I mean now like now you're you're directly in 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 my work when it comes to preventative mental fitness that's that's where I work the most and just to follow your sporting analogy it's like any high level athlete I mean you're not trying brand new things at the Olympic you know downhill ski run you know you're relying on all of that training that you did for whatever it is years before and so forth and I I think I feel like that's kind of the shift that we're we're starting to see when it comes to it's been great. There's a lot more awareness, a lot more discussion around mental health, um, but even the language mental health is usually it's it's usually discussed in the in the light of like you're pulling yourself out of a hole in, in some capacity versus uh, mental fitness. Like here, these are these are some things I can do that I'm empowered that. And this is where I come in, but it, it doesn't have to be, you know, hours or seven day silent retreats. So like we're talking five, 10 minutes a day of very personalized rituals and routines that work for you. Just like if you don't enjoy running, that doesn't rule out all of exercise, you know? So I think we're, we're it's, 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 inc- I'm encouraged. It's, it's exciting to see that it, this is starting to happen because then all of a sudden when you are faced with these massive shifts or 
as we all know in the startup world, like there's a high, there's a low, and it's it's nonstop type thing. But you can manage or you can kind of emotionally regulate that a little bit more when you have the tools to rely on, right? So it's we're getting there, but there's, I there's think more we work. Are. But I love you know, your work around that connection of high performance, whether it's an athlete or a business person. Like there, there's a lot of commonality there in, in my view. Like yeah. the, you know, you've got a lot of pressure. You've got a lot of people. Some It's a team sport, but you're an individual um, contributor. You know, if you're a leader, you've got people watching you, expectations, you know, your own persona. You're, you're a person, but you're also a figure. All these things are true, and you're at high performance levels and if we can do it for sports people we can do it for entrepreneurs yeah for sure um a couple more questions for you i want to respect your your, your time paul but one th- i did want to ask you about this because it seems pretty unique to your um to your fund and so forth but the and i think you're just coming off of this but the giant warm intro right that was end of august right the was that yep. your second one that was our third one third one okay yeah, yeah. so a, a couple questions i mean First, maybe just provide a bit of context of what that is. And then second, I'm just curious to see if you noticed any themes coming out of that event and whether, uh, I don't want to say positive or negative, but just things for for founders to to pay attention to that you noticed that may have been different from past years. Um, sure. Uh, so some context was, uh, so Giant Warm Intro is an event where we recognize a couple of things that that ecosystems can tend not to be open and particularly in australia where it's a small market it's a nascent opportunity you know, nascent market here nascent ecosystem so how do we make our contribution to helping this be sustainable and and mm-hmm. one of our core beliefs and all the data seems to support it is if you have a more open, accessible, inclusive ecosystem, more opportunities for great talent to rise to the top with funding and with access to tal- you know, their own talent and, and markets, then then we will do better. And if it becomes yeah. homogenous, we won't. And if it's heterogeneous and inclusive, it will be more successful. And so um, we also know in venture capital markets that it's a warm intro environment. And there's really good reasons why that's the case, but they tend to reinforce homogeneity by definition. And so we sort of said, what if we not lowered the bar for access to capital? It's still about quality, but what if we lowered the barriers to entry? Mm. What if we made the connection easier? We spent about two years, we got a lot of advice around um, inclusive VC ecosystems from the US and other markets and said, what do we need to do? And, and, and our conclusion was, let's throw open a giant warm intro. Let's say if you're a founder with big ambition, you're building a technology company and you're going to raise capital in the next six to 12 months. If you don't have a connection, yeah, I'll say, even if you don't have a connection, come come apply here and we will connect you to all of the active investors in the country. Um, and so Sounds grew, pretty awesome. Look, it's, it's something we're really <laughs> proud of. It's amazing. We had, we had over 750 founder applicants this month. Uh, which is incredible. It's about double last year. Every major investor in the country, every active tech investor in the country is a part of it. And it's now, it's really crowdsourced. So that the applicants come through, we have a bunch of the, yeah, it's not just uh, the Rampersand team, there's also a bunch of other investors who uh, vet. We have some mentoring sessions in, in the lead up. About 260, I think it was, founders got through in the end. 
Okay. Uh, and and met and it was about five, over five hundred hours of, of meetings and um, wow. I think I'm right in saying it. So so these connections we know historically about five percent go on to raise capital you know for who participate, which to some people doesn't sound like a lot, but when you think about you know it's about typically a one percent hit rate for founders pitching VC and it's much lower for underrepresented founders. It's a really great hit rate and we want that to go up. And, and we see a world where we don't need to do this anymore. Like, it's just accessibility. I think the Australian yeah. ecosystem is really, really willing for this. Like, you can tell by the participation, it's well recognised that providing these pathways to at least have the chance of a pitch is really sure. important and we should open that up. Um, and, and not all founders who participate are underrepresented as we might think about them. Like, there's a higher proportion of, of women, of migrants, uh, LGBTIQ plus, um, but out of out of major metro is one, age is one, socioeconomic, but also just founders who, for whatever reason, need a help getting an intro. Um, and yeah. so over time, we think this is just a, this is just an on ramp to the ecosystem for those who might not otherwise be able to find it. And so um, it's really it's something we're really proud of, and, and, and thanks for raising it. What are the lessons? I think the data shows that when markets contract, it's they go back to their norm. And, you know, mm-hmm. so if you're, say, in um, in the Bay Area in California and you've you've started branching out, you might be looking at the East Coast, you might be looking at emerging markets. When, when shit gets real, you sort of go back to your safe space. Yeah, uh, makes and sense. And the safe space sometimes for a lot of investors with where we are at as an ecosystem is less inclusive. By definition, yeah. so the data shows that you know women find it harder, migrants find it harder um, to raise money in these sort of environments. So we've certainly seen that through the data and, and sort of anecdotally through the giant warm intro. It's just a bit harder, uh, but I think the it, it is that balance. What are the observations? There are just by virtue of you see, there's double the number of applicants. Now, partly people are more aware of it, but there are so many more people willing to have a go. I think that's independent of the market conditions. That's just a, a cultural development and something that's I think is really exciting uh, for our ecosystem. Is yeah, just the num is now socially and professionally acceptable and encouraged to have a crack, as we say. Incredible, incredible, and not just. I mean, there's obviously the people that make it through, and and there's the funding and the five percent. But I mean. I imagine there's just the ripple effect of everything else around that, the other connections, the other founders you're meeting. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of good in that, that event. I mean, congratulations to you and the team for putting that together. No, thank you. I think there is. And I think without overblowing, like, why do we do it? We do it because one of our core beliefs is growing ecosystem, but those connections are really important to us as a fund. It, it, It talks to who our, yeah, you know, what is our brand and what is our what are our philosophies? And and yeah, you know, frankly, we just believe deeply that we'll be a better business as a result. We will return better, even if it didn't you know, align with our ethics and values. <laughs> you know, it does, but even if yeah. it didn't, <laughs> you know, if you're just looking at it through a commercial lens, we'll be a better business. We'll yeah. return better yeah. if that's if that if we're better at it and and we put ourselves at the center of that sort of mindset and that that ecosystem and 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 that's yeah, definitely a benefit of doing it. Um, but we, we have people wanting to work with us as a result of it. We have founders yeah. a lot reference it to us, the angel community, 
is really strong around it. So um, it's definitely, but it's also, you know, the other side is, is also important. This, this is a shared resource for the entire ecosystem that every fund gets to see. We don't hoard the, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not a, a sourcing strategy of differentiated sure. deal flow. It's shared, uh, and that's really important too. We're gonna, we're gonna, yeah. You know, we we think if the ocean rises, we all benefit. Yeah, love that, love that. A couple final, uh, just a couple final thoughts from from you, just around like any resources, books, podcasts, or content that you think are could be helpful for founders right now. I mean, good to great, Jim Collins. Obviously, you mentioned some of that, but you know, I, I'm. Defaulting, you know, I'm biased, obviously, in this this space. But I really just I love how you open the show and just the mindset piece. And there, I imagine you've got some you know potential podcasts or books and so forth to help with that. Uh, I've probably got a library of them. The one I'll call out, which will be I think Mark close to you, is 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 Ben Crow. Um, ben Crow, he, okay. So C R O W E, um, and his his. Um, app and podcast is Mojo Crow. Ben's background is in um, sports. So he mentored okay. uh, some really elite sports people. And that's his bread and butter from tennis to um, surfing to Australian rules football, NRL, basketball, etc. Mm. Um, and and he's sort of balled a lot of the philosophies he's learned working with elite sports people now accessible to everyone. Uh, okay. And so, actually, as, as an end of year present for our, uh, all the all the Rampersand portfolio founders, we we bought them a um, a subscription to the to the app. It's 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 not you know, they're listening. It wasn't a cheap present, but it wasn't an expensive present. It's not it's not cost prohibitive. <laughs> it's not cost prohibitive, but it, it's and you do it at your own time. And and yeah. everyone who has done it comes out better. And 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 uh, Mark, if you're not if you're not familiar with Ben, you two would get along like a house on fire. That your philosophies yeah. are really strongly aligned. Okay, I've I've taken note of this for sure. I haven't heard of uh, of Ben. Uh, last question for you is just you know it, it's around questions. What questions are we not asking our founders right now that you think we should be? Oh, that's a really tough one. What are we not asking? Um, well, I guess if I think about some of the tougher conversations or when founders have been less prepared to come forward. Uh, it's probably voicing fears around we have fears. Yeah, it's called that. So giving voice to those, you know, giving voice to the voices in your head. So how how I don't know exactly what the question would be, but um, you know, sort of encouraging a conversation. You know, and and oftentimes there's a there's there's a fear of failure as much as there is a sorry fear of success as much as there is a failure. And what does that look like? What are the prohibitors to to moving forward? Um, mm. you know, I would love to learn more about how to. <laughs> how to how to get that out and how to support yeah. that um yeah that's Love off it. the top of my head yeah it's helpful well paul thank you so much for for joining the show jamming on the podcast and just being a part of this uh what i think is is just really important research and and having real conversations that you know hopefully help you know everyone involved in this ecosystem your, you know, to, to borrow some of your language, but you know, raise the ocean, and we all we all come up with that water, right? So, thank you, thank you so much. That's great. I really appreciate being a part of it. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you for sticking around for the entire episode. I hope you enjoyed the chat. And again, for more startup and scale up resources, swing over to highgrowthventures.com.au. That's highgrowthventures.com.au. Have a stunning day.